symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Hello, and welcome to Skywatchers Radio on the PSN Radio Network. This is Suzanne Chancellor. Um, tonight, we have a really special treat for all of you. We have a new co-host, and his name is Brian McComas. Are you there, Brian? Yes. Hello, Suzanne. I am here. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I was going to ask you the same thing. Um, it's... Actually, a very, very good uh, night that we're having here. I'm, uh, I'm of course, on the east side in Ohio, and uh, our weather's good. I'm doing good, too. Excellent. And I just want to say that it was really a pleasure meeting you yesterday, and I was pleasantly surprised that finally, after six to eight weeks, I've been waiting for you. And you are my knight in shining armor that helped me carry this show across to the nation. Oh, thank you for that compliment. Uh, yeah, and we're, we're, I, I believe that we are going to kick it so hardcore on here. I really do believe that everybody's just going to love this show. Uh, of course, we have to uh, fill the shoes of the Jackal and Rick Osman. And there's, there's, Yes, they are. They've done so much. But I'm up for the challenge. Are you? Oh, I'm so up for the challenge. And uh, I just awesome. really, I'm really, really interested to hear about why you're here and what made you decide that you want to join the show. Okay, well, um, okay, first of all, for everybody that doesn't know me, my name is Brian McComas. Uh, some people may know me by my old pen name. I went by the pen name Divini. I used that for several years while doing both uh, literature and uh, audio radio. And I ran into a wonderful guy who I made really good friends with named the Jackal. And everybody knows him here as Angel, or he also just goes by Jackal. But uh, the Jackal and I were running, uh, I don't want to say we were rivals, but we were running kind of within the, we were running two different radio shows at the time within the same genre, more or less. Uh, now, of course, he did more comedy, and he was a hilarious guy. So well, I believe I, I that. Kinda, yeah, I, I met up with him and met some wonderful people from then on, and me and him just stuck. And eventually, he moved from one place to another place, created this uh, uh, this wonderful show, Skywatchers Radio, with... Uh, the help of some other friends, uh, uh, Dennis Crenshaw and Rick Osman, and of course there's been other people too that's helped out. Uh, so I want to give a huge shout out to the Jackal because he is the man. He's actually running our our tech right now and managing the show. So I definitely want to give him a big shout out. Many uh, thanks to you. There we go. There we go. <laughs> take a bow. Take a bow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and uh, that so that's what that's what got me in you know doing radio. 
at least at least on this end. Um, more or less, though, if you're wanting to uh, talk about why I did radio, it was just to push out information uh, to get people interested in certain subjects. And I originally started doing radio with the idea of teaching things through radio, which is a lot harder than I guess it sounds. And uh, I was involved in workshops and things like that that dealt with spirituality, the Kabbalah. Really, really uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so my so basically, uh, now now we're I'm taking a step backwards and we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, we're going to be we're going to be uh, dealing with uh, ufology, of course, here on Skywatchers Radio, but uh, not so much. I have to worry about putting on my teacher hat and my teacher shoes. I'm just here to have fun, relax, bring up awesome people, guests, things like that. So you're saying you're involved in the Kabbalah and mysticism. Things like that, paranormal, ghosts. What kind of background do you have in, in all those different genres? Okay, well, um, you know, I, I do have uh, I have a very long bio, and I'm I'm I really am a very humble guy, guys. Uh, everybody <laughs> listening in, <laughs> uh, my bio used to be so long it was ridiculous, and one day I got on as a guest on a show, and they went forever with my bio. So I've shortened my bio down, and I'll go ahead and read my bio. And if it sounds like I'm third party person, I'm, I apologize. I'm just going to read it real quick. Um, in 1995, a paranormal event changed my life forever. Uh, I was unable to pinpoint what happened to me uh, with local religious groups. I had questions, and they could not answer them. I began to reach out and search for those answers due to this paranormal event. And we can talk about that here in a little while if you want. I yeah, and uh, I, I, I'm here in Ohio, and I found a West Virginia-based paranormal group. Uh, and before anybody says, oh, West Virginia, no, this, this was a very professional ghost hunting group. And uh, more or less, I got hooked up with them, got into the paranormal, met some awesome people that were involved in uh, intuitive and psychic abilities. And from about that point, I started to span out a little bit more. And... Uh, I got hooked up with a group that actually did alien abduction research. Wow. and it, Yeah, and that, that group was called SOAR, and it sounds like your muscles are sore, but it, it is actually spelled very different. It stood for the Southern Ohio Alien Abduction Research. Uh, they were funded from some very rich sources and from a college. Uh, eventually, they ran out. I want to say that their funding quit in 2005, so they had a good run. That was from probably 90... Well, maybe 1999 to about 2005, I worked with them. Uh, those were some of the most awesome people I've ever met in my life. Uh, I had some awesome experiences from going into cornfields that were what we would consider real crop circles and, of course, seeing fake ones. And uh, anybody that's ever actually been like a crop circle chaser will tell you there's a huge difference as soon as you walk in. Um, I've interviewed... would love to hear more about that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to give you a quick bio. Um, but what got me into Kabbalah was in 1995, I had a, I had a paranormal uh, experience, and I just couldn't explain it. So, of course, I, I, was, I was born and raised as a Christian, and the churches and the mentors and the elders within the church could not answer my questions. So, uh, I don't want to say I was rebellious, but what I did do is I went out and I looked for other religious points of views, and I found them, and within that, I found questions that I had being answered slowly. Uh, along with working with uh, ghost hunting groups and alien abduction research teams, I found that I had a love for the paranormal. So I always considered myself both a uh, investigator 
uh, also a, kind of a secretary because I was doing a lot of secretarial work, paperwork, uh, filming stuff, running back and forth, uh, even oh. the gopher work. <laughs> um, nice. And I also consider myself an experiencer. Um, one of the big things that uh, a lot of people bring up is uh, my uh, within Kabbalah, I've been involved in several secret societies. I was a full-fledged member of the Freemasons, although I did get out. So before anybody comes up with conspiracy theories, yes, you can leave the Masons. Um, you wow. just have to do it on very good terms. Uh, I was also a, an officer within the Golden Dawn. Uh, not very many people are going to know what the Golden Dawn are unless they know intricate details of the Freemasons. Uh, and, of course, I left that, too, uh, for, for personal reasons and for other things. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been doing... Uh, I've been doing paranormal research and uh, getting involved in the Kabbalah, is how you say it in Hebrew, but in English it's Kabbalah. I've been doing all this stuff since 1995, and wow. uh, there—I mean, there's a lot of things I can go on and on and on about where I've of course, been, of you know. But I, I don't want to—I just don't want to do that. I'm trying to fill time right now. <laughs> okay, no, I understand. I, I think that it's really interesting all of the different things that you were involved in because I think that they all are connected in a way. I don't know if you found that in your experience that the paranormal and um, ET phenomena, UFOs, are tied together. And I want to know, did you ever feel that in your experience? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, one thing that I brought up on my show a lot of times, which you start to hear more and more and more within all of these paranormal groups, is that in all reality, and uh, anybody who runs even with the most amateur group will tell you this, mm -hmm. There are times when people mistake alien abductions for ghost hauntings, and there are times when haunted houses are uh, mistaken for something going on within, with uh, somebody who's involved with, let's say, a demonic activity. And then, of course, you also have people who just come in and say, hey, this is an alien abduction when it's really a haunting. And there's mm -hmm. reasons for that. Uh, it is all, it is all interweaving. Uh, uh, it is definitely all connected, and uh, from and I, I come I come at a philosophical level on science, but also a philosophical level within the spirituality and the mysticism. I like to see both points of views. Uh, I'm I'm that rare. I'm I'm a Gemini, so I'm that rare person who can look at two sides and see the equal and see the you know the same story being told by two different mouths. Right. And uh, so I always try to do a mystical explanation for something, but at the same time, a scientific explanation. And, uh, right. and, and believe it or not, uh, if you can disprove something, there is also a mystical way to disprove something. Now, I know everybody says, well, yeah, you can disprove it scientifically, but there's a lot of ways you can disprove it in a mystical sense or in a sense of Kabbalah. Right. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, yeah. Go right ahead. That's fine. <laughs> Were you brought up in a very religious household? And if so, um, what religion was it? Well, I was born up as a Baptist Christian. Uh, I, I've recently converted to Judaism, but uh, I do believe in the Messiah, uh, Jesus Christ, although the Jews do not call him Jesus, that we call him Yeshua or Yeshua. Right. Right. Um, so I'm kind of the conservative Jew that's also Messianic. <laughs> and what does your family uh, think about that? Uh, they're okay with it, but in this area uh, where I live at here in Ohio, we're in the Bible Belt, and there's a lot of disinformation and negativity towards uh, the Kabbalah. A lot of people do not have any idea what it is. They, you know, Kabbalah has been smeared by Hollywood, 
So when you say Kabbalah, a lot of people think of Madonna and Britney Spears uh, or the Kabbalah Center. And uh, I, I would say that those are definitely not good sources to even look at. Um, uh, you know, with the with as far as going with Britney Spears and Madonna, I would remind everyone that they're actors first, and mm-hmm. uh, they're there for entertainment first, uh, right. and you know, focus on that. You know, uh, that'd be like finding you know Charlie Sheen and saying, hey, he you know he's an example of a Christian because Charlie Sheen is Christian. But of course, you can't do that. You can't label people. Um, right. I take it very serious, though, of course. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my family's okay with everything, but like I said, with this area, there's a lot of disinformation. I've heard some crazy stuff. Oh, really? I'd like to hear yeah. about that. Well, um, well, well, one of the simplest, craziest things out there is the red string. Uh, oh, yes, asks, exactly. We all know about red the red string. string. Well, that has nothing to do with Kabbalah at all. Nothing. Uh, what does that, that have to do with? It is a superstition that was brought on through through a culture of some Palestinians. Uh, some of them were Muslim, some of them were Jewish, and it was based upon the idea that when you were thinking of someone who is passed away, you put a red string on their grave, and it both protects them from any evil or any demonic energies or anything like that, but at the same time, eventually people started wearing it as a bracelet to keep away mm-hmm. the evil eye. Um, Kabbalah has absolutely nothing in that. In fact, the only time red string is even mentioned in any Kabbalah, uh, literature is in the, uh, the Talmud. It states one time that the red string is not of any use to get rid of the evil eye. So even from Kabbalah's perspective, what the red string bracelet is supposed to do doesn't work. Right. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, people, people have to sell stuff. They got to make money and they're going to, they're going to sell a thread, that cost them like a penny for five dollars, you know. Well, so I think that's very true with <laughs> with ufology. I mean, you've got all these. For example, you go to Roswell, and you've got just all the paraphernalia, and, and it's you know gotten kind of out of hand in a way because it's not really about that. And it kind of makes me feel embarrassed in a way that people are trying to capitalize on such a phenomenon for their own financial gain. Um, I appreciate that, you know, there are symbols and all that, but at the end of the day, it gets a little ridiculous. Yeah, well, I, I feel the same way about not just ufology, but uh, quite a few different uh, subjects in, in, in my life and hobbies that I do. But I, I know what you're talking about. I've been to ufologist conferences where somebody's selling a CD that says UFOs, and when you take it home, you've paid 20 30 bucks for it, and it's just them with their video camera. Uh, no real interviews, no real scientific information, and most of the time, you can't even tell what you're looking at. So, yeah, yeah it it happens. It's sad. It um, yeah, But you, you got to stay positive because as long as there's people who have a thirst for knowledge and who are open-minded, then you just got to look at that positive and you got to say, hey, people are waking up. But, you know, any time that people have a thirst for knowledge or they're wanting something new, there's always going to be people that just take advantage of it. So, I mean, exactly. you know. You, you got to just keep patting everybody on the back and say, hey, go for it, while also saying, hey, uh, you know, make sure that what you're buying is worth it and things like that. But I agree. Now, I, I, back I, I sure haven't made any money. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I want to get back to something you said earlier, and that was that you had a specific paranormal experience that really just touched you where you just really needed to find out what the hell was going on. What was that experience? Uh, well, um, 
I'm a little iffy about even bringing it up, but I, I will go ahead and bring it up. And, and let me tell you a quick story. Uh, I brought this up to a man in Huntington. I'm not going to give his name. Uh, he, he lived here in Huntington. And I went to him for, I guess, uh, for questions. I wanted to see if I was the only one that had this particular experience because it's very rare. Uh, and I, I later found out that it's not as rare as I thought it was. And there's actually a term for it within ufology uh, with, the, with the real bigwigs. And I'll give that term here in a minute. Uh, but uh, this guy had taken my story, made it into his own, changed some facts around, and he turned it into a contactee situation where uh, what had happened to me, he basically said happened to him, but then he added stuff where these beings came in and showed him all kinds of stuff. And uh, it, it went all over the Internet, and it, it became really big. And I was very angry uh, because I was... I felt violated uh, in, in a lot of ways during this paranormal experiences, uh, and I also ve- felt violated in the sense of my community around me religiously. People shunned me, and people were just saying, hey, you know, he's out of his mind, or, uh, you know, he's possessed, or, so, you know, something crazy is happening to him. I later found out that is not the case at all, um, but I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, in 1995, in the summer of 95, I, I was still very young. I was still going to high school. And I was taking care of my grandmother uh, at the time, and uh, I had a lot on my shoulders. I, I was a lot, I, I would say I, I was a very mature teenage uh, young man. Uh, I was taking care of my grandmother while also going to high school. And one night, uh, and this is going to sound awful when you hear this, but I was in shock, so bear with me. One night, I, I was sleeping there, and I woke up around mm, 3, almost 3 in the morning, and I remember hearing this humming noise, and it was really, really loud. It woke me up. Uh, I was able to turn my head while laying on the bed and look at the uh, nightstand beside me, and I seen that it was almost 3 o'clock. And there was this flashing red light in the room, and it scared me to death. And I just the entire atmosphere felt uh, very negative and scary. And I remember I couldn't get up. I couldn't move. Uh, and I started to actually panic a little bit, and as soon as I started to panic, I felt as if I was being uh, tasered to death. Uh, electrical shocks run through me. Wow. Now, I was 17 and a half, because I, I actually graduated graduated high school when I was 17, uh, because uh, my graduation was two days before my birthday. So I graduated at 17 instead of 18 and 19, like most kids. But uh, I was around 17 and almost 18. Um and I remember thinking, oh, God, I'm going to die because this electrical current was running through me. It was so strong. My knees and elbows uh, on my body hurt. It was so intense. I mean, even talking about it, it makes me shake and hurt still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had thought that a transformer blew uh, outside the house, and I thought a power line had came down on the roof or something like that, and I was being electrocuted because the night before, a transformer in my grandmother's backyard blew up, and it was just huge it was theatrical uh the telephone pole caught on fire so my first thought is i'm dying because a power line hit the house and somehow it's blasting me and i you know and this went on for a good 15 minutes and i was barely conscious for it and then the electricity feeling stopped and i was just sweating the sheets up and i tried to get up and again i couldn't move except for my head and my eyes and about that time i noticed somebody was in the room with me and i couldn't see them uh, yeah, I couldn't see them, and I was just like, oh, my God, what, what's going on? What's going on? And I remember trying to yell for help. I remember trying to call out to my grandmother for help, who was sleeping in the next bedroom. 
and uh, you know no, nothing came out so i mean i was just terrified but this went on for a very long period of time there was some conversations going on in the room between this other uh, i'll say now th- now something about ufology is they like to push words on you and mm-hmm. that's what's you know you call it coaching so uh, and I, I do hypnotism, so I, I watch out for coaching words. So I'm going to say this person rather than this being, because when you say the word this being, it already gives kind of the background idea that, hey, it's an alien or something. Well, this person in the room was having a conversation with another person in the room, not with me, and they were arguing, and uh, they were trying to figure out what to do with me, and uh, I got the feeling, and from the conversation, I got the feeling like I was going to be taken physically out of the bed and never come back. I got the feeling of dread that I was going to be murdered, uh, things like that. And at one point, one of the persons uh, noticed that I was awake, moving my eyes around, and they went over and they touched me on the forehead, and it was the freakiest feeling. It was like a, uh, it was, I, it was, it was a cold feeling, but it was like the touch of an ice cube on my forehead. Oh my and I remember that all my emotions and all my fear just completely disappeared. Okay, and I kept thinking in the back of my mind, I'm going to die, but I was kind of calm about it, and it was it was almost like a closure had come over to me, and keep in mind, I'm only 17 and a half, um, but so long story short, this went on for, uh, for a very long time in the bedroom. I was able to keep looking at the watch and the, or the clock, uh, which was digital, and it was working, uh, and somewhere along the line, I was electrocuted a couple more times, and at one point, several voices were in the room telling me to go to sleep, and uh, I'm fighting the sleep, and it was so scary, but I remember hearing these voices argue that I was fighting uh, the procedures and that they couldn't control me, they didn't know what to do with me, and uh, at one point, I actually prayed, and I remember this prayer to this day, Uh, and of course, I was raised Baptist Christian. I prayed that God would take care of my family, take care of my grandmother, my mother, my baby sister, uh, because I knew I was going to die. And I was just accepting it. And about that time, something happened where the electricity quit. I completely gave up. And for whatever reason, this pressure in the room just quit. The humming quit. And I was able to pop out of my bed. And I remember when I got out of my bed, I fell and collapsed because I was hurting. Uh, the electric, the electrical feelings were very physical. I've heard people in the past have, ask questions if it was psychological and things like that. No, I had marks and bruises for weeks, um, and uh, I fell on the ground. And I remember looking up, and I was scared out of my mind. But anger started to come across me, and I wanted to kill this thing. Uh, this this thing was not going to have me. And I remember it got scared of me, and it ran out of the room. And I chased it down the hallway, out into the yard. Uh, later. Uh, basically, long story short, I'm out at like, uh, it, was, it was probably about 5 in the morning at this time, because this went on for a long period of time. Around 5 in the morning, I finally was screaming out, you know, in the yard, where are you all coming out? You know, I'm being very vulgar with my language, threatening whatever it was. And, uh, you know, eventually, uh, I, I went back in and I called my mom hysterically and I said, hey, come pick me up. She comes and picks me up and I was in such shock that I never checked on my grandmother. When my mom picked me up and took me back to her house, that always just dwelt on my mind. Uh, you know, I felt really bad. I was in shock, but I didn't check on my grandmother. And uh, I told my mom what happened. And that is what started it off. Wow. Okay, it I'm telling not- you right now, my palms are sweating, <laughs> gripping my pen, listening to your story. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing such a, I mean, 
horrible story. I mean, I can't even imagine that physical well, uh, pain that you went through. I, I've had a few others like that, and I don't like to say that it was an alien. I don't like to say that it was a ghost or that it was a demon. I don't know what it was. I'm still looking for that, but these have ha have happened uh, since then. They've happened to my children. They've happened to friends who I've had stay the night. They witnessed things. Uh, it's very physical. There's a ton of evidence. And uh, I was actually taken in as a, uh, as a test group uh, to be studied along with some other abductees. And they couldn't figure out what was going on with me. However, they got a lot of evidence that some crazy stuff was going on within, within, my, uh, within my situation, my environment. Uh, and, of course, uh, th there's this myth that when an alien abduction happens or an alien contactee or anything like that, that there's no evidence. But that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, there, there's actually a lot of evidence uh, for things. It's just, it depends on what the uh, audience wants to agree is or is not evidence. Uh, that is so true, and I think that's something we need to touch on another time. Your story is very compelling, but I just want to thank you again. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll have tonight's special guest, Stephen Thompson. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. This summer, Showtime presents a Major League Baseball Productions original series that takes you deep inside the lives of the Major League ball players, like you've never seen it before. Congratulations. You're in big league. Follow the world champion San Francisco Giants on the field and off. My baseball camera! You got him down? As they fight to hold on to the trophy. Mark it down. Repeat. The franchise. A season with the San Francisco Giants premieres Wednesday, July 13th at 10. Only on Showtime at Showtime HD. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Looking for a used car? Well, look no further. Florida Fine Cars has the car just for you. Here at Florida Fine Cars, we pride ourselves in customer service and quality of cars. Looking for a high-end car? We got them. Looking for an older car for a small cash deal? We got them. Due to having over 400 cars in our inventory, no matter what your situation, we can help. For more information, please go to www.floridafinecars.com today. The George Rodriguez Show. Ooh.
I said the George Rodriguez show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez show is much more than adequate. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Get the SoFlo VIP Toolbar. It's free. Free. Be a SoFlo VIP and get free stuff. Sponsor discounts. Free apps. Special promotions. And more SoFlo fun. Download our VIP Toolbar at SoFloVIP.com. It's free. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Say, remember when radio was fun? Now it's dead. Because deregulation has allowed one massive corporation to spread its tentacles like a giant octopus absorbing radio stations around the globe. And that's why you hear this. SoFlo Radio will stand and fight the corporate monolith. SoFloRadio.com SoFloRadio.com
Welcome back to Sky Rogers Radio on the PSN Radio Network. And I'm Suzanne Chancellor here with Brian McComas, my brand new co-host for the show. I just hey, want to everyone. Say, <laughs> yes, welcome yourself. I just want to say that um, I had the extreme pleasure of having dinner last night with our next guest. And he is an amazing man. His repertoire is beyond belief. He's a political activist, the founder of the Paradigm Research Group, executive director of the Extraterrestrial Phenomena Political Action Committee, the author of the book, The Paradigm Clock website. I actually did not say that correctly. And a political columnist and commentator. I want to say that his charisma and his passion for putting an end to the government-imposed truth embargo surrounding the extraterrestrial presence has led him straight to the White House, which is amazing because I don't think that many people have actually had the opportunity to do so. Um, he recently posted a petition to President Obama to, quote-unquote, formally acknowledge an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. And upon successfully getting the required 5,000 signatures on this, the, the White House actually really has to view this and say, hey, something is really going on here. We need to address this. And I really feel, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Stephen Bassett to the show. How are you doing, Stephen? Hi, everybody. It's great to be with you. It's so nice to have you here tonight. And welcome to Sky Watchers. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Just everything that you've done so far, I just want to ask you one thing. Right now, where do you see all of this going with what you're doing with this petition? Well, it's not just what I'm doing with the petition. I mean, I, I put the petition up, the disclosure petition, on the White House website uh, in the We the People section. This is a new project, new initiative by the Obama administration. It went active on the 22nd of September. But they announced it 30 days prior to that so people could get their petition together and gather signatures, sort of pre-promote it, as it were. Because under the rules, if you obtain at least 5,000 signatures within 30 days of the petition going up, the administration Mm -hmm. promises they will review it. They have staff that can review these things, and then there will be a response from the appropriate elements within the administration. Okay, great. We're we're at nearly 6,000. We're going to get a response. But that's not the real, I mean, the real goal of this effort is to see how many signatures we can put behind it. Um, So what we're looking to do is to, to see if we can get the link to this petition viral on the Internet so it starts to generate uh, an ever-growing number of, of signatures. We're using Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, uh, blogs, email lists, and, of course, press releases to, to get this underway. And, uh, you know, it's going okay. But, I mean, we, we, we've got a lot of time, and we could put up some big numbers. Now, the, the link is a lot of different places. There, there's a short and a long link. The long link is like 200 characters, if you get that. So they provided a short link, and that link is up on the ParadigmResearchGroup.org site. 
It's up on the petition information site at disclosurepetition.info and elsewhere. But it's actually a pretty simple link. It is wh.gov forward slash G capital C capital K. It's case sensitive. There's just two capital letters there. wh.gov forward slash G capital K capital C. That is the disclosure petition. There are 94 petitions up right now. And the disclosure petition is 26th in ranking in terms of signature count. Amazing. Out of 94 petitions. So that's this is a, an incredible opportunity for those who would like to see this embargo, this truth embargo ended, to mm-hmm. put their name behind it. And they're, they're, they're only putting up, uh, they're, they're only listing first name, last initial, city and state if you provide it. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty safe, it's pretty straightforward. And uh, now it's up to the, the public. Do they want to express their view here? It's very unambiguous. It right, calls, it uh, and let, by the way, Let's, let's read his petition to him. It, it, the petition is this. We, we, the undersigned, strongly urge President of the United States to formally acknowledge an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race and immediate release into the public domain all documents from government agency and military service files relevant to the phenomena. That is unambiguous. It's very straightforward. I agree. And I actually thinking about when you say having it go viral, what would it take for them at this point, now that you do have the 5,000 signatures needed for it to be just noticed, what would it take for them to actually say, okay, how many signatures would that mean? Like a million? No, not a million, but right now I think that the lead the lead petition has about 50,000 signatures, and I don't think anybody will be shocked that it's about legalizing marijuana. <laughs> uh, that is the number one subject that all petitions focus Go on. Go figure. Yeah. Come on. There's at least six marijuana petitions up there, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, that's that's 50,000. All right. But here's the deal. Everybody, there, there's, no, there's nothing new about that. Right. If the disclosure petition would get to 50,000, this is going to attract media attention. Now, I've already been interviewed by the Wall Street Journal, which I thought was notable, about that petition, the disclosure petition. A very nice interview, about 30 minutes. There's an article I, I expect to turn up in any day now. As the number of signatures grows, more media will, will look into it and they'll, they'll interview as the articles are published, more that, that raises awareness. There'll be more signatures. More signatures generates more articles. So that there's that process. But then, meanwhile, on the internet, the link people are willing to spread the link through their social media and other means. Uh, you've got more and more people learning about it, and it's like exact. It's very much like a chain reaction in in nuclear uh, physics. If you get enough uh, uranium two thirty eight together, suddenly you have enough neutrons hitting enough other nuclei that it suddenly creates a chain reaction. And up until then, it's just kind of a, a it's a very, it's, it's, a non, it's a non-reaction and it's kind of a constant amount of activity. Then it goes chain reaction, boom. Uh, we don't call it going chain reaction. We call it going viral. Now, 
most people sort of know what that means, but let me let me make it real clear. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you search on UFO videos, just put UFO into the YouTube search, you get about 45,000 videos. Then you sort them by most viewed, view count. When you do that, you'll find that the most viewed UFO video has 38 million views. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a promo for a for a hoax uh, video that was coming. It's, it's like a teaser, and that mm-hmm. caught people's attention. That, that the actual video that he's teasing about got about 14 million views. And it's a it's a dead alien in the snow in Ekurt, Siberia, in Russia. It's made out of bread. And, you know, I guess if you're teenagers up in Eker, Siberia, I mean, you, you don't got a lot to do. The, the nearest mall is, what, a thousand miles away. And so they made a dead alien out of bread, put it in the snow, and said, hey, we stumbled. Well, my God, it got 14 million views. Uh, and there's a number of other UFO videos with 10 million, 8 million, 9 million. Now, the reason there's 9 million views on a video is because the link went viral on the net. Now, that means that millions of people went to watch and, and there, and a lot of these videos, and most of them are hoaxes, like the Haiti video and so forth. They're good hoaxes. They're getting better all the time. But they didn't go there because they, they said, oh, I want to see a hoax. They went there because, oh, boy, I wonder if this is real, because they're interested, right? So the question is, if 9 million people will go watch a two-minute hoax video on YouTube, will 9 million people go and spend two minutes to sign a petition on the White House websites. I'd settle for 90,000, and we would get some significant news. And when you read the petition, it basically, you know, there's, there's some additional information there. And what it's saying is that witnesses are coming forward. Uh, the polls are showing that about half the American people know that the UFO phenomenon is extraterrestrial, and that this petition is the way for the people to say, we do have a right to know, and we can handle the truth. If you want the truth from the government, you're going to have to ask for it. If you simply wait for them to give it to you at their convenience, you may never see it. And so people have got to start demanding and asking stuff of their government, and this is a way to do it. Right. I think that one thing you said earlier was really important. I think that a lot of people might feel that they're not going to be anonymous when they do sign this petition. So I think it's very important to stress the fact that they will not be traced. It's such a a sketchy thing to quote-unquote believe in. Obviously, it's not very well uh, respected in certain circles, but you are an experiencer. You believe in UFOs. So I think that it's very important that people know that they are anonymous. And maybe there's some way that they can be, be assured of that fact. I don't know if you could write well, that in your website or... Yeah, I need to... Look, I need to clarify there for you. I mean... It's not quite that way. Here's the deal. On the White House website, when you sign a petition, you must open an account. Very quickly, set up an account. They ask for your first and last name, and they ask for your email address. They also ask for a zip code, but I don't think it's required. City and state, but not required. They then send you to your email a password. That password then, you log in with that. And now you can sign all the petitions you want. This ensures they're not going to get automatic crack, uh, you know, you know, crack operations where they people go in and just, you know, they sign and set up petitions and just run the numbers up. Mm-hmm. It makes it fair. It makes it more appropriate. But they have your address. All right, they have your email address. So for someone that cannot bear the possibility, the thought of the White House administration having your email address. 
They want to sign this petition. Now, let me let me point out something here. It's 2011. The government has been out of the business of harassing people on the UFO ET issue for probably over 10 years. They're not doing it. They're not harassing the witnesses. They're not harassing the researchers. This issue is so ripe, so far developed, with 12 countries releasing tens of thousands of records. There is no upside at all for them to do that, and they're not doing it. You're not going to be bothered if you sign a petition, probably any petition on that website. Now, there are areas that are dangerous to go into with respect to the government of the United States. Meaning, if you're an investigative reporter and you want to dig deep into the issue of the CIA and drugs, you might just have yourself some problems. Fine, I understand. But the UFO ET issue is no longer one of them. But let me be clear, you do give your email address. Now, for instance, I, I have another referendum going right now called World Disclosure Day, which was launched on July the 8th. Well, uh, I highly encourage everybody to sign this petition. I'm doing it right now, live on uh, air, while Mr. Bassett is sitting here speaking to us about it. And uh, it seems pretty easy to me. World Disclosure Day, worlddisclosureday.org. Mm -hmm. uh, people are endorsing this, this day, right? We'd like it to be the, the next Earth Day. Uh, it's July the 8th. There's over 4,500 endorsements there. A few notable people. We're, we're hoping to get some celebrities involved and all that. It's only been out for two months, but it's coming along very nicely. Now, at World Disclosure Day, the signatures are coming to Paradigm Research Group, and we're publishing first and last names, city, state, city, province, country, for those outside the United States. Mm -hmm. So that's viewed as a stronger, that's kind of a stronger uh, uh, referendum in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, people are, but these people are not going to be hassled. They're not going to be bothered. In fact, the, the second most re uh, 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 co represented country is the People's Republic of China. <laughs> Believe it or not, Amazing. China Amazing. is the number two uh, country endorsing. Yeah. So, but again, I and, and and they have to use their email address as an email form. So. Um, but are they going to be bothered? No, they're not. I mean, I, I think this is important for people to understand. The disclo disclosure is very close, barring some grotesque event happening. It's been, it's been moving there for a very long time. The witnesses are coming forward in scores. We've got, you know, famous people starting to come forward like Sammy Hagar and say, oh, Lord, I've been a contactee since I was five. The yeah. government is not bothering anybody because it would be very awkward for them. In other words... With, with things starting to happen and this thing possibly breaking at any time, you don't want to be, you know, there harassing researchers or, or witnesses. I think they understand that this is coming. And I think the, the, the military intelligence management groups behind this that run it, uh, that run the, run the truth embargo and, and address the issue are probably fine with disclosure at this point. I think the consensus is probably toward disclosure. Though it's not an easy thing to pull off. That doesn't make it easy. So, I say, hey, don't worry, folks. Sign the petition. Endorse World Disclosure Day. Let's make a clear statement to the media, and the media will respond. I mean, as I say, I got a call from the Wall Street Journal in, in three days after the, the, the petition was up. That's pretty good. That's amazing. So this uh, day that you're talking about in July, are there going to be events there, or are there going to be It's just like a global a consciousness, awareness mm -hmm. day? I mean, Earth Day. 
say they'll have certain like festivals and things like that. Is there anything like that? Yeah, planned? I mean, yeah. This this event was launched on July the first. It's only been out for two months, uh, but you got to start somewhere. Earth Day, if I recall, had four attempts to to launch it until it finally caught on, and now of course it's a huge deal with events all over the world. So. The idea is to build up more and more endorsements. If we can get to about 100,000, I can get some serious media attention. Or if we can get a couple of celebrity endorsers. I'd love to have Dan Aykroyd or the band Muse or Sammy Hagar uh, publicly endorse World Disclosure Day. Right? Uh, if we get to 100,000 signatures, then we'll get some media, more, much more media attention. People get interested. And then people will form events and create things. To, to connect to that day, July the 8th, 2012. But there's, a, there's a, one caveat I will add here, and it's kind of cool. And this is, this is designed from the beginning. If disclosure does actually happen at some point, could be August the 20th, December the 10th, January 20th, I don't care. Immediately, World Disclosure Day will be switched from July 8th to that day, and from that point forward, that will obviously be World Disclosure Day because that's the day that it took place. Right. So basically, I'm kind of just seeding the thing in advance so it'll already have a bit of a head start when disclosure comes. Um, but if it I doesn't think happen... I a very good plan. I like to think so. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of, these, are, these are things... This, this is kind of the kind of things that PRG is involved in right now. I think that would be really awesome if you could do, for example, Live Aid, but have it be about disclosure, so you have all these bands, musicians, celebrities, comedians, and you know they're out there. You know, you and I both know, that there are people out there, like myself, like Brian, who are experiencers, who have not yet come forward, but in lieu of recent events, I think that there's going to be more of a bond with what's going on in the world at present day, where they're just not going to be able to keep their mouths shut anymore. And it also gives them more of a celebrity status, which is kind of odd, because I think in the 50s and the 60s, it was absolutely the opposite. Of course. There, there are two things you're referring to here, both important. As I've said many times now, uh, I believe the next major exopolitical development is going to be the uh, coming out of the closet of some famous people regarding being contactees, all right? Uh, and by famous people, I mean uh, uh, celebrity, entertainment celebrities, sports figures, musicians, you know, rock stars, uh, and possibly some well-known political figures. I think we're right on the edge of this happening. And there's been, there's precedence for this in the past. And when one comes out, it's easier for another one. And so if, in fact, some very well-known people come forward and acknowledge that Look, I've been dealing with ETs since I was a child. I'm a contactee, right? Live with it. Deal with it. Uh, that is going to be a significant exopolitical matter. It's going to put a lot of pressure on the truth embargo. The other thing you mentioned was the concert. A couple of years ago, a significant effort was underway to produce a concert devoted to this issue. Multi-million dollar project, multi-countries, it was going to be called Signal to the Stars. And uh, I know in the United States, Mike Luckman out of New York was involved uh, with some of the development. And I believe the economic collapse the, that really got underway late 2008 put the kibosh on that. Yeah. 
there was a little concert. There, there was a concert this past Sunday in oh, really? the center. Yeah. Uh, the 3D Film Festival that's put on every year by the Dream Factory, produced by Chris Crescitelli, because he is, uh, you know, interested in the issue and he's very much aware of the work of Stephen Greer and the Disclosure Project. He actually had had a concert with three pretty good bands on Sunday night. It was called the Disclosure Concert, 3D Contact Disclosure Concert. Stephen Greer was there. He gave a, a, a you know a spoke for a while, uh, but you know. It wasn't a huge thing, but it was the first Disclosure concert specifically devoted to that that I'm aware of, certainly the first 3D concert. Uh, and it was held in the middle of Hollywood. So in the future, will there be a major concert, even a live aid-type, truth aid-type concert, multi-country? Very possible. It is extremely expensive. It requires major organization. Uh I would love to see it because it would it would it would further the disclosure process profoundly. It would bring in a huge number of younger people between twenty and thirty, without question. But it's a tough one. I'm thinking that probably we won't see such a concert until after disclosure. But if anybody wants has the has the means the, the wherewithal to create a concert like that and go out and particularly get acts that have addressed this issue, like Sammy Hagar, Peter Andre, Muse, uh, and there are others, um, which would, you know, and, uh, and other acts as well, but certainly ones where there's, they've already done some music about it, and that's interesting mm -hmm. development. You know, I'm willing to help. Call me. I'd be happy to, you know, assist if I can. Um, I know one person who might want to perform at that concert, and that would be Lady Gaga. What do you think about her? <laughs> well... You know, Lady Gaga. She is. She is an ET. She probably is an ET. I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what her thoughts are on the ET presence, but I'm sure she would not be turned down as an act for a disclosure concert or a truth aid concert. Uh, uh, you know, the music industry is famous for being ahead of the curve, for taking on issues before others will, uh, and it would not surprise me. Uh, the, the, the super band Muse, which is not as well known here as it is in Europe, but let me tell you, this is, band is huge, wrote, has written a number of songs addressing some of these issues of secrecy and abuse of power and the full question. They wrote a song called Exopolitics. It's, kind of the, it's one of the official anthems of, uh, of, of the exopolitical uh, disclosure movement. Uh, there's another song called Need to Know that Bryce Zabel got produced, which is a pretty damn good song. You've, actually, there's links on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, to a number of music groups and so forth that are actually addressing this subject. I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it, it would be nice if this happened 10 years ago. But the music right. industry gets around everything eventually. And so there's going to be more music. I think recently Katy Perry did a song called Extraterrestrial. Yes, she now, did. Does that mean... Does that mean she's into the subject? No. It's great marketing. <laughs> she could be. You listen to the lyrics to that song, and you realize she's paying attention. So we're approaching, we're moving forward, and a lot of things are going to be happening for the first time. And a major concert for disclosure, a really major concert, is probably inevitable. I'd like to see it sooner than later. Uh, but uh, you and yeah, I both. We'll see. It's a long time yeah. coming, that's for sure. And what a way to reach the masses than uh, music. 
it works for effective. You know, all these various concerts, Live Aid, Farm Aid, uh, there have been many of them, uh, huge in some cases. The music, the music is universal, and boy, is there is there no more mu universal issue than the extraterrestrial engagement of the planet Earth and our possible uh, inclusion in a larger galactic realm, whatever it is, literally happening in our lifetime, only being held back by government policy right now. The world's people are ready to go. The governments are tied up. They're the ones that they can't make a move. Though some nations are moving forward, uh, particularly in, in releasing UFO files. I mean, the U.S. has done nothing there, but uh, about a dozen nations have released tens of thousands of UFO files, emptying out, not all, but a good deal of their filing cabinets to the Internet. And then these files are being downloaded all over the world millions of times. So look, you know, this idea that, oh, you know, uh, this issue may not work out or, oh, it'll probably, you know, run its course. <laughs> I don't think so, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, right, again, right. We can, if we can move forward and get some funding and get this advocacy movement uh, going a little faster and get disclosure soon, that's a good idea. If we don't, if we drag our feet I'm very worried that something very nasty is going to take place, and we're going to get sidetracked for a couple of decades. And the mm. cost of the human is going to be rather profound. And the most, my most serious concern is a nuclear event. Yeah, uh, that would most, be quite unfortunate. That would be bad. And most people don't realize just how concerned Washington is about that. If you talk to the Washington insiders, that's number one on their list. Uh, right. Right. So if that happens, uh, disclosure could be put off for decades, and then we're going to go off in our usual nightmare. <laughs> Lord knows what will happen. So, but once disclosure happens, it, it's, it, it can't be undone. That's once true. you pull that cat out of the bag, it's never going back in the bag. So if we can get it done, then whatever comes our way will happen in the post-disclosure world, a new world with new worldviews uh, emerging and a much different perspective on how we ought to conduct ourselves given the reality of the universe that has now been fully acknowledged. Right. Uh, it's less likely, perhaps, we'll have that nuclear event, the bio-attack, the terrorist event that launches another war. Uh, right. A lot of people's right. worldviews are going to change dramatically post-disclosure. But until then, same old, same old. Yeah, so now let's talk about Obama for a second, not to get political, but I'm going to. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping right in. I uh, sure. wonder what your take is on the fact that we've, we've had two, uh, one ex-president, uh, one uh, president-elect try for disclosure and with no, to no avail. So what, mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen with Obama? I mean, why would it be any different now than it was then? Well, first of all, the petition is petitioning the administration to disclose, but, but possibly the last president that could have forced disclosure purely on his own signature in a way, in other words, basically said this is what we're going to do and it would happen would have been George H.W. Bush. Since mm -hmm. then, no. Uh, and before, uh, uh, I don't think Reagan could have done it. Um, Certainly not Ford. 
the fact is that the Obama cannot disclose um, without the cooperation of the military intelligence world. Uh, if they're not going to cooperate, if they're not on board, if they haven't agreed to it, for him to walk out in front of the cameras and say there's an extraterrestrial presence, and then when people say, where's the proof, he says, well, I don't have it right now, but I'm hoping that the CIA will give it to me in a couple of weeks. No, not going to happen. So, but remember, anybody can go to the White House website and read that petition, right? Not, yeah. not just the White House staff, but the CIA director and everyone else operating the, you know, the management committees that, that work the UFO issue deep down in the secret empire. They all have computers. They can go on the Internet. So, you know, people will be reading that petition, whether they sign it or not, from all over the world. Who knows how many? You know how many people go to the White House website every month? We're talking many, many millions of people. So how many people actually see the petition? Could be a very big number. So this petition is not just directed at the administration. It's directed at everybody, including the military, the intelligence community. So it's basically a referendum directed at them. And, and ultimately what has to happen is that the members of these committees, the, the chairman probably of the how many committees are operating this issue, uh, are going to have to meet with the with Obama's people, some of his key advisors, agree to move forward, put it together, and get it done. Uh, and given the situation, from the time they actually meet to the time disclosure takes place, will probably no no more than two weeks tops, because this this thing will leak if they don't act very quickly. And so that's what's going to have to happen. The president really can't do it. Uh, the president. Maybe, you know, again, other than maybe H.W. Bush, the, the last three presidents could not have even gotten and seen the information. In other words, I think if, if, if Obama were to say, I want to see, I want to visit every level operating at Area 51 or Green yeah, Lake luck. or Tulsa, <laughs> and they would say, you know, we really, uh, that's uh, too hard. Uh, Mr. <laughs> President, you don't even know that, and, right. and there's a lot of security issues, and, you know, you, you really don't want to do that. And then he might throw a fit. And then they might get tough with him. Now, let me tell you, folks, that is, in fact, very much the way it is. And, uh, you know, that's not quite the way the founding fathers uh, were thinking we were supposed to be operating. In other words, the Constitution isn't quite set up to operate that way. And so behind the UFOET issue and the truth embargo are very important questions about where are we right now, how is the United States functionally operating, and have we, are we de deviating so far from the Constitution in some areas that the Republic is at risk, which is not to say that there's a bunch of uh, traitors operating in the military intelligence world. It's simply to say that the, the, the effect of the Cold War and the ET presence, which pretty much have traveled side by side, since 1945, mm -hmm. has really, really warped the relationship between the military intelligence community and the political uh, uh, representative world, and also created a massive secret world that is now so deep, so wide, that nobody in the elected uh, uh, Congress or even the White House, frankly, has a significant, a, a real sense of it. They, they don't, they don't, they don't understand it. They don't get it. Some of them don't even know anything. 
So we got a problem. Now, as long as all those people in the secret empire are diligently working to protect America and its national interest and defend the Constitution, yada, yada, then okay. But how will we even know that? And are there any signs that maybe things are going a little awry down there? Well, there's tons of signs of that. So we got some huge issues to address. Uh, and the extraterrestrial presence is not the only one. I agree with that. And, and interesting that you said that. I was thinking about the whole disclosure. And, you know, obviously there are so many other things that we don't know about. And when you say full disclosure... Um, I would like to see it be not just about the ET UFO presence. All the other black ops that have been going on, we have a, a right to know what these things were and the, uh, where our money was spent. You know, it's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, hey, hey, guys, I hate to interrupt. This is Brian McComas, other co-host. Hi, Brian. Um, hello, Mr. Bassett. Hello, and I'm sorry, Susie. Um, no, we thanks. have a couple. We have a couple questions from some listeners listening in. Uh, one of them is from Facebook, and they want to know, Mr. Bassett, they want to know your, I guess your uh, point of view, it wasn't really a question, but they wanted to know, uh, let me read it off here, what do you, let's see here, um, it was about if you believe if there's any truth to Planet X, and uh, what do you think on the whole topic of the Anunnaki and the Zachary Stitchin books with Planet X and the Anunnaki being involved, they just, they want to get your opinion on that. Go ahead. Well, look, I'm a political activist. I'm involved in the disclosure movement. Uh, the goal is pretty straightforward. We want the government to announce the extraterrestrial presence. So that's a highly focused um, mission statement. Now, over the years, I'm familiar with tons of stuff related, partially related to the ET issue. It's, there are six major fields of ufology. Uh, one of them is exoarchaeology astronomy. That came, I, 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 well, I, I set that kind of uh, delineation out back in 1997. You can find it on the Paradigm Research Group website. Uh, and that's one of the most fa fascinating and challenging of all of the areas. Um, recently, we had a pretty significant breakthrough because what happened was that Giorgio Sutlokas was able to present a, a significant proposal to the History Channel and convince them to put some serious money behind a documentary called Ancient Aliens. It was so successful, highest rated ever, I think, on the History Channel, that they then commissioned a series. There have now been 30 Ancient Aliens. And so the result is, is that though this, this Ancient Aliens series has done more than anything ever to, to bring to the public a huge, broad overview of exoarchaeology astronomy uh, and essentially the work that he had been doing and others, including Sitchin and Danikin and all of these, uh, to the public. And uh, so now, you know, you've got people all over the country at water coolers talking about the Anunnaki or uh, the Dogon or, you know, the Egyptian pyramids and all this stuff. And there is truth there. There's no question that there's truth there. But exactly which part because we're talking about trying to understand stuff from thousands of years ago and with the extraterrestrial connection so is there a planet x i don't know is there a nibiru nibiru i don't know uh and as far as disclosure is concerned it doesn't much matter right now i think 
particularly right now we're seeing, and I think that's because the temperature on this issue is, in, is increasing, and because people are getting pretty emotional. They sense something happening. They, they, you know, they, they, they smell the finish line. We're, we're getting a really extraordinary number of, of, of new people coming out with assertions and stories that are pretty out there. They're pretty, pretty challenging, lots of it. And believe me, nobody has got the money, the time, the wherewithal to, quote, vet a lot of this you know, significantly and go, oh, yeah, yeah that, that's solid. That isn't impossible and so we're, 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 we're and then of course you got all the movies which are coming out one after another which are sort of piling on all kinds of other interesting uh, concepts into the into the mix and so we have a really complex huge soup of assertions and stories and lore and anecdotes that are now coming forward it probably faster than ever and all I can say about it is this you know, it's going to be damn near impossible to sort through it pre-disclosure. But post-disclosure, once the acknowledgement has taken place, the media jumps on our side, the, the colleges and universities go, oh, I guess we ought to teach that. The Congress starts holding hearings, the scientists get involved, and of course all the research ever done on this issue will suddenly be re-examined in the aftermath of disclosure. A great deal of these things will, I think, be sorted through. And if there's a Planet X, we'll probably find out. If there were Anunnaki, we'll find out, right? Uh, and we'll also find that some stuff is just, you know, it's not true. You know, it's a lore, it's a myth, whatever. And that's good because, you know, we, we really don't, you know, life is not all that long. You know, we get 70, 60, 80 good years, right? We don't really want to spend a good deal of that time chasing down myths, going up blind canyons and running around in circles. And truth embargoes actually create that problem. They, the government steps in and literally denies the truth, creates a truth vacuum, inserts false information and disinformation, and gets people running around in circles. This, this is not the way to run a railroad, whether it's a citizen or a scientist or a teacher or anybody else. And so, you know, the truth has a wonderful quality about it. If you have the truth, then that eliminates all other possibilities for that particular item. So you now can focus elsewhere, right? Uh, so truth is extremely efficient, effective. Uh, it saves time, it saves money, and it works, you see, right? If, you, if you're going to build a rocket, you better have the correct physics or it ain't flying anywhere, all right? So, again, I'm less concerned about the validity of so many of these stories than I am the fundamental focus on the extraterrestrial presence, which is absolutely a fact, absolutely pr proven beyond a reasonable doubt, and therefore we can move forward on that right now. Yeah, I agree. Brian, did you have another question for Stephen? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually I did, uh, Suzanne. Uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Bassett, uh, I, I wanted to kind of get your opinions on some things and ask questions that normally you probably wouldn't be asked. And one of the big things is uh, a lot of different people are asking this question too, so it's not just from me. But I'd like to get your opinion and your thoughts on what the Catholic Church is doing trying to kind of put their foot in the door with the exopolitics or at least publicly say, as a religion, hey, you know, there are space brothers, and if they exist, so on and so forth. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, now that's, that's something I can address directly 
very significant exopolitical implications there. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, I, the Catholic Church has not put out any white papers on their what they know about extraterrestrials, I can assure you. But uh, So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate a little bit, uh, but uh, I like this model, so let me put it out for you. The Catholic Church has known about the extraterrestrial presence for a long time. And whatever they have written about it, whatever documents they have, are in their archives, which you can't see, but not, not easily. And they've got a big archive, let me tell you. I hear it just goes on and on and on. Now, uh, you know, it's, and, I, and it's possible that some of the other religions, uh, their, their head, uh, you know, whatever, the people that run that religion may, may know about the ET presence, but the Catholic Church is kind of special, and here's why. The wonderful concept of the confession, which they developed, in which those of the faith can go to a priest and confess their sins, supposedly in complete confidence that absolute privacy will be honored, and be absolved. And so for the last 1,500 years, Millions of people have been going to their priests, going into the confessional booth, and telling them their problems. Like, hmm, Father, three gray beings of some kind, probably the devil's disciples, came into my bedroom the other night, and they did terrible things to me, and I feel maybe it's something I did wrong. Uh, that I've sinned somehow, or these are demons, what can I do to get these demons to go away? And the father says, well, do this, do that. And these reports would be coming in from all over the world to the Catholic Church. Now, 1,400 years ago, they might have not known what the hell's going on, but as time moved forward, they started to figure it out. Certainly in the 20th century. So the Catholic Church, yeah, they know there's an ET presence. Now, the Catholic Church, as we know, made a huge mistake many years ago when they tried to withhold the truth about the cosmology of the solar system for religious purposes. This was a huge embarrassment to the Catholic Church that they finally apologized for about 10 years ago, released a couple of documents. But generally, it's been bad press for them all the way back to the 1600s, if you know what I mean. There was no way they are going to make that mistake again. And so, as, disclosure, as the disclosure process has moved forward, it did not shock me at all the Catholic Church began to move to position itself on the right side of this issue. The first thing that turned up of note was the emergence of Monsignor Corrado Baducci in retirement, who suddenly started going to conferences and talking to people in our field and making statements about what he felt the Catholic Church's view on this was. He was retired, so this was sort of, quote, unofficial except he happened to have been a member of the Curia, a close friend of the Pope, and he was the head exorcist of the Vatican. And so it wasn't just any show, right? And so Monsignor Balducci is talking about how the Catholic Church would view extraterrestrials as simply brothers uh, uh, under God, um, uh, beings of, 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 uh, of um, you know, like us, that the Catholic Church uh, would, does, would not view such things as demons, and so forth. And, of course, Balducci was criticized, and they said he was old and, and senile, and the, and the Vatican would never authorize that, and blah, the usual nonsense. He even came to the United States and talked about this at an X conference I held back in 2007. 
So, okay, fine. Now, Karada Baducci dies a couple years ago. And not long after he dies, guess what happens? The very active 40-some-year-old head astronomer of the Catholic Church, Father Gabriel Jose Funes, gives an interview to the Catholic newspaper and repeats everything that Karada Baducci said. But now it's coming from a working member of the Vatican, the head astronomer. Then the Catholic Church schedules an extraterrestrial conference, brings in researchers from all over the world, mainstream people like Davies and others, to talk about the extraterrestrial issue in a high-end scientific way, no UFO guys there, at the Vatican itself. Then they repeated some of these assertions of Gabriel Funes again in another interview and have since made other comments. So the Catholic Church has done exactly what I expected them to do. They have positioned themselves on the right side of the issue. They are ready for disclosure, billion-plus members. It's okay, folks. It's all right. Don't panic. It's cool. These are just beings under a greater God. Now, that is one of the major indicators that disclosure is close, that the Catholic Church makes these moves at this time. Now, will they go further? I don't think so, because the Catholic Church does not want to be viewed as the entity that triggers disclosure outright, or certainly disclose. In other words, it would be a bad idea for the Pope to appear at Vatican Square and say, you know, to all, all our brethren around the world, there's an extraterrestrial presence here. Big bad idea. Why? Because it would, it would, so it would tightly identify the extraterrestrial presence to the church and generate a considerable amount of paranoia uh, and concern amongst the other six billion people on the planet who aren't Catholics. And so they don't want that, right? It needs to come from heads of state. Right. So that's what's going on with the Catholic church. It has, it has essentially climbed on the disclosure train. Well, that's amazing. Stephen, I really appreciate your take on this. And right now we're going to have to take a quick break. Um, mm -hmm. When we come back, we are going to go ahead and touch more about this and maybe take some callers. So stand by. computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Looking for a used car? Well, look no further. Florida Fine Cars has the car just for you. Here at Florida Fine Cars, we pride ourselves in customer service and quality of cars. Looking for a high-end car? We got them. Looking for an older car for a small cash deal? We got them. Due to having over 400 cars in our inventory, no matter what your situation, we can help. For more information, please go to www.floridafinecars.com today. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. This summer, Showtime presents a Major League Baseball Productions original series that takes you deep inside the lives of the Major League ball players, like you've never seen it before. Congratulations. You're in big league. Follow the world champion San Francisco Giants on the field and off. A baseball camera. You got him down? As they fight to hold on to the trophy. Mark it down. Repeat. The franchise. A season with the San Francisco Giants premieres Wednesday, July 13th at 10. Only on Showtime at Showtime HD. Here's the latest ratings you asked for. What is this? Where did all our listeners go? Um, SoFloRadio.com. SoFlow. What channel is that on? It's online, sir. Wi-Fi radio. Oh, I see. But what channel is it on? Put your business on the leading edge of media advertising with the SoFlowRadio.com network. Unlike antiquated AM or FM radio, your professionally produced 30 or 60 second ad will be heard live on SoFlowRadio.com during the day and will be downloaded thousands of times a day on SoFlowRadio.com as well as being heard on our free podcasts on iTunes. Wi-Fi radio and Bluetooth are now available with BMW, Ford, GM Car and trucks don't get left behind contact soflowradio.com for details and our very affordable rates soflowradio.com stay ahead of the game all systems are functional and you have the is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Manton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the jackal. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the jackal's head on the Soup Media Network. The biggest trick the jackal ever pulled was to miss the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. Hi, everybody. This is Boca Brian once again to tell you about my latest CD of religious comedy bits. Word of Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world. For the, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Okeechobee down to, I'd say, a calendar. Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as... And you'll get Father O2. Amen. And this all-time Boca classic. They were speaking in tongues. Blah, blah, blah. That made me a 
About 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca. Available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at Warning Yours today by clicking on the album cover on SoFloRadio.com. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. 4,734 UFO sightings in 2007. 854 abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. Hundreds more unrecorded in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. The UFOStore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Skywalkers Radio here at PSN Radio. I'm your co-host, Brian McComas. With me is the lovely Suzanne Chancellor, and tonight we have an awesome guest. We have Mr. Stephen Bassett, who is known worldwide for his work with ExoPolitics. We will be taking callers now, and in, uh, in and the call-in number right now is area code 786-245-8127. Again, the call-in number, 786 786- to four five eight one two seven. So please call in if you have any questions. Currently, we do have a caller named Chuck on on hold right now, and he will be live with us in just a minute to talk. But now we're going to get right back with Suzanne Chancellor and our guest, Stephen Bassett. Go ahead, Suzanne. Hi, Stephen. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I wanted to touch on a little bit on before we took the caller about the Conscious Life Expo that's coming up this weekend. And um, if you can give us information for that, that would be really great. Yeah, they've now gone to two Conscious Life Expos a year because uh, it's a big event. I think they have typically 5,000 people. 
as usual, it's the LAX Hilton, right, right down on Century Boulevard and um, near the airport. Uh, they have quite a few speakers, and if you go, you know, just Google Conscious Life Expo, the site comes up immediately. There'll be about 20, 25 speakers, a number of workshops and free lectures. Um, I am uh, going to be part of a panel on Saturday, 2 p.m., that uh, cosmic uh, secret panel that's being moderated by George Norrie. Then I'll give a workshop on the day after disclosure, 10 a.m. Sunday. Now, uh, there's a number of other people who are going to be there talking about the AT issue. Kim Carlsberg is going to be speaking on Sunday, free lecture at 1 p.m. about her new book, The Art of Close Encounters. And actually, we'll be sharing a table the whole weekend, starting Friday at 6. Uh, she'll have her books with her. It's an amazing book. Um, unique, one of a kind. Uh, it's getting raves from the people that, are, that have seen it. So she's going to be talking about the contact key experiences she had, plus plus the, the book that's just out. And um, uh, I encourage people to come on down. It, it's they have a huge vendor area. There's a whole uh, a lot of cool things happening. It's, it's events very well established, and now they're going to be do it two a year. I think one in February, one in October. So this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, LAX Hilton uh, Hotel down at Century Boulevard in Los Angeles. Come down and see us. It's right around the corner for me, so, you know, I'll be there. Uh, is there a link to a website where people can actually purchase tickets for this event? Yeah, you just, uh, just, just Conscious Life Expo. Just Google that. The, the very okay. first thing that comes up is the website. Go to the website. You can get the tickets and all that stuff. It's all there. But you can also ticket, get them, you know, a lot of people just walk in and get them there. Uh, right. at, the, at the building, and it starts, uh, I think the first uh, uh, lecture is 6 p.m. On, on Friday night, and it runs till probably 7, 8 on Sunday, October 2nd. Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing you speak as well. We have a caller, though, right now. His name is Chuck, and the question is for you, Stephen. So, so Chuck, go right ahead and ask a question. How are you doing tonight? Thank you. Doing fine, doing fine. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, looking on the uh, site here, there are some chats going on here, and it occurred to me that there are a lot of people out there who, uh, given the time, uh, having passed since the 60s, and when we talk about disclosure, that really aren't aware of the, that there actually is an official government position on this that started back with the Robertson panel uh, back in right. the 50s of actually officially debunking um, sightings of unidentified flying objects that, you know, there was a, an official uh, position taken that these should be uh, explained quickly and even ridiculed as a, as a matter of national security so that there was a, a way of uh, uh, going after people who uh, reported these things and even ruining careers and, and that kind of thing. And that's, that's become so entrenched in uh, the culture that that proceeded on through uh, the formation of the Condon Committee, you know, which was sort of the uh, nail in the coffin of the actual, quote, official investigation of aerial phenomena in the 60s. And I just wonder, you know, with your experience and disclosure, would you mind just going through a little brief summary of that? Because there are a lot of people out there that simply are not aware of those particular aspects of the history of disclosure. And that's an important aspect to, to understand that there actually is this history where the government did a, this sham investigation where uh, Condon actually 
and this was well covered by the media at the time, uh, published his statements that he, it, it, this is what he planned to find, you know, uh, that he was going to find out that there was nothing to this, and when all of this nonsense was over, you know, they would move on. And there was a lot of uh, uproar about his memos that were published prior to the committee meeting, and that uh, when it ended, he published a, uh, a summary that went before Congress, uh, just a very few pages that essentially said there's nothing in this report that is of any interest or a threat to national security and everything is explainable and there's a very low percentage of unexplained. However, that directly contradicted everything in the report in which there were over 30% that were completely unexplained. And it wasn't until like uh, almost a year later when people were going through the report that questions began to be asked about his summary as leader of the uh, committee that directly contradicted that. He was basically saying there's nothing here in the report, yet the report was saying there's a lot here. His own biases essentially eliminating what uh, was uh, stated in the report. And yet, they went, when they went back and looked again, the uh, Association of Astronomers, and I can't remember the name of that association, decided not to take a stand of astronomy, rather, decided not to take a stand on it, and that pretty much nailed uh, down official inquiry as we knew it at the time into unidentified flying objects. And I just wondered if you would just kind of comment on that period of time for people who, you know, uh, people who aren't my age, uh, uh, and they're now in their teens and 20s look at this and they think, well, you know, the government must have known what it's talking about or they are looking into it or they did look in it and they closed it out and they must have really looked into it carefully. And just kind of, you know, give a brief review of that for folks. Let me respond this way. The history of this issue going back to the 40s is going to take up several thousand books. I think the Civil War, which lasted about five years, I think there's something like 65,000 books that have been written about it. Well, this, this, this could run for 60-some years now. So there will probably be 100,000 books written about it. Deep, wide. But so let me summarize it real tight. Well, first of all, let me say this. If you want to get an historical perspective, probably your best bet is to read Richard Dolan's first two books in his trilogy, uh, UFOs and the National Security State. Read those two. Uh, that'll give you a nice overview. Um, obviously, there are many other books that one can read, but that's more of an historic. He's a historian, and that's more of an historical approach to it. People can get a sense of what happened going back to the mid-1940s and forward. But here's the, here's the, here's the, the short answer. The extraterrestrial presence exploded on the scene in 1947. The U.S. almost certainly knew something was going on as early as the mid-World War II, maybe even sooner. But it wasn't a, a public issue. It exploded on the scene, and they, they had a problem, and they knew it. They almost lost it at Roswell. They, they, they managed to recover. The next five years, they sort of, I guess you could say, tried to come up with a plan and then they had the 1952 sightings in Washington that went on for three days, and that really shook them up. And so they knew they had to, to come up with a formal uh, policy to, to, to address this issue or it was going to get away from them. That policy is called, in my view, the truth embargo. It used to be called the UFO cover-up. I don't call it that. It's a truth embargo. Formal policy of the government. And the fundamental, whatever they did, 
whether it's whitewash panels, whether it's disinformation, uh, infiltrating groups, doesn't matter. The whole general policy had one simple goal. Contain the UFO issue and, and prevent formal acknowledgement from taking place. So that is the truth embargo policy. It was run out of the national security structures that were built up to, to deal with the Cold War, so they were already there. They spent a lot of money on it. It was extremely successful, and the truth embargo is still in place today. The government policy on the subject finally emerged after they were run around the track quite a bit between 47 and 69, but they finally sort of honed it down to the, to the Blue Book panel, ran that out, closed it up, and then they were able to say after that, from 70 forward, the policy of the United States government is that we do not investigate this phenomena, which wasn't true, and this, but whatever this phenomena is, it doesn't pose a threat, which may or may not be true. And so from 1970 forward, if you were to write the Air Force or write uh, an agency in government and ask them uh, about this subject, you get this form letter back from almost any of them saying roughly the same thing. We do not investigate this phenomena. Notice that they do not say it doesn't exist, right? Because it would have been very awkward for them to have sent out thousands and thousands and thousands of these responses. And then, of course, disclosure takes place, and they got to eat every word. And so they've played this game very carefully, very thoughtfully, for national security reasons. They did not feel that the truth embargo should end until they felt that it was safe. And it was quite clear to most of them that it was not going to be safe until the Cold War ended. And so the truth embargo was clearly going to go on through the end of the Cold War, 1992, and 99-91. And then after the Cold War ends, things start to change, and we're moving out of the, the formal policy positions to ultimately disclosure. And that is the way I think the, the average person can think about this. I think this pretty much covers it. They can spend days and weeks and months reading books upon books upon books about the history of the truth embargo, the phenomena, the citizen science engagement of it, all of that. But what they need to know is this. There is an extraterrestrial presence been proven. It's fact. The government decided to contain the issue with a truth embargo, what they call it, I don't know. That's a fact. Truth embargo is starting to finally unravel, and ultimately, barring some dramatic event, disclosure of the ET reality will be made by the world's nation sometime, hopefully very soon. I think well, that's the next you, one Stephen. answer. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. And... Um, Thank you for your time. I, I, I think that's really helpful for people to hear. Uh, that um, uh, it helps. I think that that you have that they have something solid to look back to, and I, I think it encourages people to um, uh, look back and find those solid pieces of those landmarks. You know that when uh, sure. those things took place in the past, you know, just those few kind of big events where they can say, well, yes, there was that truth embargo, and then why did that happen? You know, there's nothing there. They can read Dolan, they can read uh, Timothy Good, they can read um, uh, certainly Stan Freeman. Uh, They're just a huge amount of material. All right, thanks so much, my friend. All right. Thank you, you, Chuck. Pardon me? Oh, that's good. That's fine. I think that pretty much answered it for me. All right, great. Thank Thank you, you, Chuck, Chuck, for calling in.
Thank you, Mark. Yes, everybody out there who wants to uh, ask even a question, the number again is 786-245-8127. And please don't forget to visit the chat room if you have any questions there. We can actually ask him as well. So, Brian, I wanted to get back to the Catholic Church situation, or the situation, the issue with uh, the ET disclosure and all that that you were asking. Did that pretty much answer your question? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I just wanted to get uh, Mr. Bassett's uh, perception and his opinion on it. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I, I think he uh, filled in the blanks. And, and again, uh, where he's dealing with uh, exopolitics, I kind of I kind of wanted to ask that because a lot of people are are talking on forums through the Internet uh, on radio shows about the Catholic Church trying to put their foot in the door in exopolitics, not just for. I guess you could say the religious and kind of cultural control, but for the exopolitics itself. So I, I just mm -hmm. wanted to get Mr. Bassett's uh, opinion on it. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah, I mean, I got it, yeah. Well, let well, me add this. I don't think the Catholic Church views what they're doing maybe as exopolitics. That, that term may or may not mean anything to them. But they know that the disclosure event, the acknowledgement comes, they have a huge impact on the world. There's going to be changes and shifts. And the Catholic Church is not stupid. Uh, I believe that, and contrary to the propaganda that's been put out for decades, that post-disclosure religious membership is going to go up, not down. And by taking a, an early position and a correct position on this, basically the Catholic Church is positioning itself to pick up lots of new Catholics in the post-disclosure world. So do you uh, I think would agree with that. I actually believe religious attendance will go way up. And what do you think that is, just from your opinion, Brian? Uh, well, um, from my opinion, I just believe that I've seen evidence and some situations where, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that assume that if, you know, other visitors, it doesn't even matter what, what race you're talking about or if there's one race or thousands, uh, a lot of people assume that we're going to learn uh, a religious or a spiritual uh, kind of information off of these. In other words, they're going to come out and either say, hey, evolution is real, and this is why, and we believe in it, or they're going to say, yeah, hey, there's a God, and this is our God. And uh, a lot of people are either one way or the other, and uh, I I definitely lean with uh, they're going to give us some spiritual and more spiritual information, and I think that uh, a lot of people uh, are going to rapidly change uh, their views uh, obviously, there will be religious turmoil in in the aspect of you know the individual person's soul struggle, I guess. But uh, uh, just from what I've seen, I would definitely say that uh, yes, the aliens do have a religion, and uh, yeah, you know, if the cultures mix, I do believe religious attendance will go way up. That's a great answer, Stephen. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So based on everything that's happened um, in, in the past 50 years and how disclosure is, is obviously very imminent. What are the odds do you think that we're going to have contact before disclosure, if at all? Well, I can't call that because contact, well, we already have contact. I mean, millions well, of I'm people just, around. I'm thinking mass contact. Are, right. Yeah, you mean open contact, formal contact. Absolutely. Look, that, that, only the ETs can make that happen. Uh, until the ETs 
do it. If we have it. If they don't, they don't. So since I, I don't, I'm not on their mail list. I, I don't get their blogs. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you what they're going to do. You didn't get the memo. However, I do know this. Yeah, I didn't get the memo. But I, I can tell you this, that obviously they could have forced formal open contact anytime they wanted to in the last 60 years. They haven't done it. But that's something we do know as fact. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, they haven't wanted to do it prior to now. But then when you look at the rest of the picture, the bigger picture, the conclusion, or at least the, 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 the model that I lean on, is that there's two things going on. One, they are helping to drive the disclosure process, the human process, by their presence, by their actions, by being seen, photographed, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're hardly discreet, right? Uh, they're hardly hiding out or, or cloaking themselves. So uh, their presence in activities is, in fact, clearly driving the disclosure process. Uh, and secondly, given that disclosure may be eminent, they're busy, 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 busy. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you got company coming over for Christmas dinner, right? And so you haven't really cleaned the house or you've been kind of taking care of things, but, boy, in the last few days before the Christmas dinner, you really clean the house. You're at, you're running around, you're fixing everything because it's a big deal, Christmas dinner. All right, same thing. Disclosure's a big deal. They've been doing whatever they've been doing because uh, when you see them, they're not, they're not joyriding. Anytime they're seen coming and going, they're working. They're on the job. So I think in the last 60 years, they've been busy taking care of things that needed to be done prior to disclosure for whatever reason, and their activities have increased with being seen more. So the two things kind of dovetail into each other. And in my model, this is my working model that I have so I can stay sane, all right? Since there's like 400,000 theories, assertions, lores, myths, stories out there, and more coming every day, is that once disclosure takes place, um, obviously the entire world uh, will be addressing the ET issue uh, very intensely weeks and months, if not years, uh, and we're back into it. I mean, the media will be into it, the government, the Congress, the people, and so forth. And so we'll, we'll spend two, you know, a couple of years just gorging on, on ET issues, information being released by governments and whatever. And, you know, after a couple of years of that, frankly, formal contact or formal open contact or a ship turning up over Washington would be like, yeah, well, it's about time. You guys showed up. You know, how you doing? That's everything. Uh, so, in other words, it takes the it takes a lot of the the, the, the fear out of it. It, it. In other words, it's appropriate, right? We're prepared. The final that's that final two years of acclimatization will have taken place. I mean, I, I appreciate Hollywood's effort to acclimatize us. They, they've done over three hundred movies. There's ETs everywhere in this town, but it takes more than that. It takes information about the real deal, and so. If, if you ask me when would contact be likely to take place from a terrestrial perspective, I would speculate that a couple of years, about two years, maybe after disclosure, the formal acknowledgement takes place, and the announcement is pretty much accepted and understood worldwide, mm-hmm. that we'll have some kind of formal contact. And after that, who knows? I mean, now we're in... Uh, I mean, the dis- I, I, you know, here's an interesting thing, and I, I'd like to debate this maybe sometime. Someone wants to debate it. I think the disclosure event, the, 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 the self-disclosure event, is more pro- important and more profound than the contact event when it finally comes. 
Really? I think the self-disclosure event is the big one. The contact will actually be kind of a big deal, but not as big as this. Uh, and then, of course, what happens after that, I don't know. I hope, I hope to be involved in it in some small way. So, yeah, I think contact could very much come in. That, that seems to make sense, and, and based on what I understand about all this. But uh, believe me, that doesn't mean that's the way it is. Uh, and, and nothing is written in stone here. So if, if 100 okay. ships turn up over America tomorrow, don't blame me. Don't sue me. <laughs> my fault. Okay, so based on what you just said um, and the actual full contact um, that we are obviously going to be experiencing at some point, whether it's in two years or ten years or next week, what, mm -hmm. in your opinion, what, in your opinion, do you think is the quote-unquote alien agenda for their making their presence known here, in your opinion? Yeah, <laughs> the alien agenda. Jim <laughs> Mars wrote a book about this. You might find um I don't know what the alien agenda is. The only only people that know the only the only place we know where we can find out is, is the aliens. And if they told us, that doesn't mean it's true. Right? Mm. Ultimately, the only way you really know the agenda of another human being, or even a non-human sentient being, is not by what they tell you, or even what you think. It's what they do. That's that's the test of an agenda. What they do, right? Some people will do things that give, make you think they have an agenda when, in fact, they have another one. And so that's, that's true. But ultimately, the, their ultimate agenda will manifest by what they do. Right. So, uh, that, that, you know, so trying to say, well, well, we do know a lot, frankly, thanks to the contactees, about what they're doing. A lot mm -hmm. more than people know. Uh, uh, but if someone is not prepared to accept or examine the collective uh, reports of hundreds of thousands of contactees that have come into the researchers uh, and dismiss it, then, of course, none of this information is of any value whatsoever. But if you, in fact, uh, are able to arrive at a point where you're willing to give significant credence to the contactee reports, which I do, then we have learned a great deal about what they do. And... Uh, all I can say at this point is they are intensely involved in genetics and life. This is the thing I think that most challenges them, and that's perfectly understandable. I'm sure you know their first graders could tell you just about everything you want to know about solar and galactic formations, the elements, and most of physics. Uh, but what would still challenge them is, is life. Life is still pretty pretty complex stuff. It's heavy. I mean, life, the sun is nothing but a tinker toy. The entire sun is nothing but a tinker toy com compared to a single human cell. And so they're involved in life. They're involved in genetics. I think that genetic material has been passed around the galaxy forever, mm -hmm. which is why we see reptilian, you know, sentient reptilians turning up. It's okay. very possible that they are... The, they are the outcome of DNA manipulation going back who knows how many years. Uh, so they have a little Earth DNA in them. Um, and, and, and let's look at the Nordics. I mean, the Nordics look like us. So explain that one without getting into Earth DNA. So it's possible that DNA is being passed around. I and mean, the scientists today talk about DNA or life possibly coming in from space. They're discovering that there are, there are life forms that could very well exist in space, and so life could be passed around that way very possibly true, but that's nothing true. compared to what 
you know, hundreds of thousands of space-bearing civilizations with giant biolabs in their mother ships could do. And so I strongly suspect DNA has been passed around the galaxy a very, very long time. And genetic development manipulation enhancement is their stock in trade. They are heavily involved in that and with our humans. Uh, but they are also political. I believe there are alliances out there, and, and if there are political alliances, then that raises the possibility of being being part of one. So there is there is a sort of birthing process going on, a, a bar mitzvah process here, where the earth is coming of age, and it's going to be have to face the fact that it's it's soon going to be an adult, and it better start acting like an adult. Uh, this is going on, the transition there. These are the kinds of things that come to mind when you talk about alien agendas. However, we, we know there are multiple species. How many? Who knows? I mean, theoretically, there could be millions. I mean, there's 500 million planets, according to the re re recent Kepler census, that are in what we call life zones around suns. So you, you've got multiple civilizations. There may be multiple political alliances. They could have multiple agendas, and they're all, not, not all, but some are dealing with us. So it's, it, we're going to find it to be an incredibly complicated situation. Well, guess what? On the planet, we've got 200 and some nations, and believe me, that's plenty complicated. You've got multiple treaties, multiple alliances, multiple religions, 2,000 languages, and they're all trying to get along. So now let's take that to the galaxy. Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry understood that, and, and, and that's generally the model that he had in his head, wherever he got it, and that was the basis for Star Trek. Right. So, you know, uh, and, and plenty of other people are trying to envision this, and they believe they're, 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 they're learning about it, getting channeled information, the Council of Nine, the Galactic Federation, the Astar Command, blah, 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 and on and on. I don't know if any of that's, in fact, fact, or if it's that way or not that way. But in general, this right. is how I see the model at this point. Now, if, if, I, if, I get, if I get information that takes me in another direction, I will correct that model, and, of course, I'll talk about it if asked. But that's the model I'm using. It's generally an optimistic model. I think ultimately things work out pretty well. Uh, you know, birth pains, transitional problems, dis disruption, some people upset. But overall, I think we're headed in a pretty good direction. Um, but, you know, who knows? Well, I certainly hope so. I have to say, from my own experience, um, there is a, a little bit of a fear factor there. I think there are some people who've had very, very malevolent uh, visitations. And there is some sort of a fear factor involved with this total contact that we might be experiencing in the next few years. So hopefully that's not the case. Let's just say it's going to be great. Everything's going to be wonderful. They're going to show us why we need to stick around here for another how many millions of years. Um, on that note, uh, Stephen, I just wanted to thank you so much for being our guest tonight. And we do have a couple minutes left. And at this point, I would like to ask you if you'd like to plug anything you're working on, your website, again, where they can sign the petition, anything. Well, go, you can go to the White House website, go to We the People. You can find the petition. You can sign up there, and you can sign it. You can also find the link to it at disclosurepetition.info, as well as other information and some banners you can use if you're a webmaster. If you go to disclosure, uh, I'm sorry, World Disclosure Day, worlddisclosureday.org, you can endorse the World Disclosure Day, July 8th. That would be kind of cool. I'd like you to do that. Uh, and, of course, the main website is paradigmresearchgroup.org, uh, where and there's a whole lot of stuff and keep you busy for weeks. 
and you know, and, 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 and my site has thousands of links to other projects, books uh, of my colleagues. I've got hundreds of colleagues. They're all doing great stuff. And you can link to their sites, their books, their videos, and what have you off of Paradigm Research Group website. So there you go. I mean, but right now the most important thing on the agenda is how many signatures can we put behind the disclosure petition on the White House website in the next 26 days? And, you know, if somebody goes up and signs it, that's wonderful. But if they spread it to 100 people on their Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, that's super wonderful. And that's what we need to do. We need to spread the link. Don't just sign the petition. Let's see if we can reach critical mass, go viral, and maybe generate some really big number. I'm not saying we're going to pass the marijuana petition. That's asking a lot. I'm just saying let's put a big number up there. And uh, you may find the media paying a much closer attention. And I can get on The Daily Show, which is, of course, the sum and bottom of my existence. Well, you know what, everyone? Let's just do exactly what Stephen said. Let's make this viral. Let's put this out there. If you believe that we need disclosure, there's no reason that you cannot do that. They're not going to come after you. This is definitely something that needs to be done. So thank you again, Stephen. And I look forward to seeing you this weekend at the Conscious Life Expo. And anybody else in the L.A. area, uh, please just Google the website, uh, Conscious Life Expo, and get mm -hmm. your tickets there. Otherwise, get them at the door. Wonderful. Well, look, I appreciate being on again, and I look forward to doing the, uh, the other show on TV. And I really thank you for joining us as well. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm still here. And actually, uh, Mr. Bassett, thank you so much uh, for everything you've uh, contributed here on the show. You were a fun guest. Uh, we'd love to have you back. But, Susie, um, I'm actually being told that we can actually go a little overtime if you want. Uh, if Mr. Bassett wants to leave or stay, that's up to him. Uh, and if you're good for it, uh, Suzanne, I'm, I'm good for it, too, if you want to keep continuing. I can go well, on, I do have to go, folks. I do have to go, oh, but why don't you all you know, go along and take some, take, you know, talk to your, talk to your audience, get, their, get some of their thoughts and what have you, but I've got another that interview. Great. Okay. All right. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Mr. much, Stephen. Have a wonderful night. Um, in case you missed it, we just had an amazing guest, Stephen Bassett, talking about disclosure and the petition for that disclosure. Uh, very amazing, and I know that I signed it. What about you, Brian? I actually signed it, and I wanted to say it was very easy. I did it while uh, Steve Bassett was talking, and, uh, you know, he, he was going over there for a minute uh, in the interview about how some people are a little worried about giving certain information to the White House, but no, don't, don't worry about that, people. Sign it. Um, I did it, and uh, actually, we have 5,982 votes uh, that it looks like it's at right now, so there's been a lot of people signed it here recently. Because it wasn't even that high when I looked at it. So, yeah, keep signing. And um, for everybody, I'm trying to actually pull up the, um, I, I have the White House signature, but it's like a really, really long uh, uh, URL here. Right. I'm trying to find exactly. the shorter version of it really quick, so just give me a minute. I was going to say that not only do you want to sign it, but you want to make it viral. So you want to post this link on your Twitter account, any social media network, emails, any way that you can. Because the more signatures there are, the more notice it's going to get. I mean, literally, there are many bills that have, you know, 5,000 signatures. But to have 50,000 or more is going to make notice. So please, please pay attention to making this something that's very public. Tell your friends about it. If you believe that there is a need to presence here and there has been 
nothing being told to us about it at all. We deserve to know the truth. It is the law that we deserve to know the truth. So if you believe in that and you believe in your rights as an American citizen, you need to sign this. And also I want to say you do not have to be an American citizen. You can reside in other countries of the world to sign this document, which is amazing in my opinion. Yeah, and let me give out the URL to those listening in. I've got the, uh, I guess, the shorter version. It is HTTP semicolon forward slash forward slash WH dot gov, G-O-V, forward slash G-K-C. You can also check it out uh, if, if you're trying to find out uh, where this is. Uh, you can go to Google and just put in, uh, uh, let's see here, put in the disclosure petition. And that will pop it right up, and it goes to uh, paradigmresearchgroup.org. Uh, actually, it says, yes, paradigmresearchgroup.org forward slash disclosure, and put that in Google. You'll find it really easy. Uh, I actually signed it, like I said, and um, you know I'd really like to see some of my friends doing it. Apparently, they have. We had a couple of uh, people on Facebook that were uh, chatting during the interview. And I didn't get all the questions out there, but that's all right. Um, Mr. Bassett was an awesome, uh, awesome guest, and uh, Suzanne, you were you were perfect. Uh, you're doing great. And I want to give oh, a, I wanna give a shout out to Jackal too. <laughs> Jackal, if it wasn't for Jackal saving the day every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Standard Time, this show wouldn't be as amazing as it is. So definitely shout out to Jackal. Really appreciate it. And Brian. Like I said, um, I was really excited about meeting yeah, you. I was a little... Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I, gotcha. uh, I was really excited to hear that I had a new co-host and, and more excited to hear about your story. And I, I, again, want to say thank you for being so candid about something that was such a traumatic experience that you went through and... I know from my own personal experience that these things are not pretty to talk about at all. But the thing is, we need to talk about them. We need to focus on not being afraid of the fact that they did happen um, and realize what the meaning is that they did happen and how to address it in a positive way so that we can, you know, look forward to positive things in our lives and not dwell on the negative. So, again, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and all the listeners. So. Exactly. Maybe one day we'll get into that, and we'll have to get into your story, too. But on a personal note, I'd like to, off-air, talk with you and get more of your story. Uh, I'm, I'm well, kind of curious about it, but I know you've we'll got to go. Have a, <laughs> we, have to, we, we have to have, like, an on-air cup of coffee. How's that? There you go. There you go. You like that? All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, and again, everyone listening, this is uh, skywalkersradio.com. Uh, go there. The URL is so simple to get to. Just make sure you click the listen to chat at the top. It says, I think it says listen and chat. Uh, and uh, we would love to have people in the chat room here. Of course, there's other ways to listen to the radio. Again, it's skywatchersradio.com. And if you're in the chat, when any show is going on, it doesn't have to be this one. It could be any show. We want people to partake in it, ask questions. Uh, my Facebook is also open. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I've, I've actually got two Facebooks. One's kind of more private for family and friends. The other one's more public and business. And I'll throw that out next time. I'm not gonna do it now. But yeah, we we can take Facebook questions too, which I did. And uh, but, uh, Suzanne, Suzanne, I also want to ask you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I go want, ahead. Go ahead. I want to actually say something. Do you have a blog that you would like to share with our listeners? 
Well, I have a website, but it deals with uh, what I do on the side with uh, Kabbalah, the, in English, Kabbalah. And, uh, yeah, I can give that. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's really simple. It actually, uh, I, I went through some name changes. Uh, it used to be called notsfromkabbalah.com because that's how you say what I do in Hebrew. And uh, we changed that to, real simple, receivinglight.org. Um, now, some people are fussy about the .com. Some people are not. I wanted it to be an organization rather than a company. That's what .com means. Uh, it's a company, and org is more of organization, but it's receivinglight, all one word, .org. And that's for anybody that wants to, uh, you know, check out Kabbalah. But, I, you know, I'm not, honestly, I'm not going to push that that much, uh, you know, unless somebody says, hey, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> there, there is a lot of articles that have to do with Kabbalah and aliens, exopolitics, things like that, uh, that have already been written. And I'm still in the process of moving from one website to the other, the articles. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of wait until after I got more articles that deal more with the paranormal on there. Uh, of course, the Kabbalah is all paranormal anyways, but uh, if, if you look at it like that. But, uh, Suzanne, is there anybody you want to give a shout-out to before you take off? I just want to give a shout-out to everybody who joined us tonight, and thank you, Chuck, for listening. Uh, again, Jackal, you are a medium being on. I just love you. You're amazing. <laughs> I know, right? Double applause. What can you say? Um, I also wanted to say, please add us on Facebook if you have not already. Uh, mine's just Facebook um, slash Suzanne Chancellor. And you may visit my blog, um, which is abductiawareness.blogspot.com. I post weekly if you want to know more about me and my experiences. If you have any questions at all, feel free to join me next week and Brian for our show, 8 p.m. PST, 11 p.m. EST at psnradio.com. Have a great night. And this is Skywalker's Radio.